Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Okay, here we are. Here we are. Brandy, <laughs> Tina, Coaching Cocktails, and Brandy, over to you. Where are we in our series today? So you're about to hear check-in three of uh, our life coaching project. This was actually in March, March 14th of 2021, week 13. And I won't give a spoiler alert, but big announcement coming at you that this project is being formally named. So yep. I'm really kind of excited to have I everybody loved it, listen by to the that. way. Can't wait for everybody to listen. So have a Go listen ahead. and we will be back shortly or not so shortly because it's kind of a long one, but we'll be back to talk Longly. about it All right. Hi. Hi. We are here on week 13. It is March 14th, 2021. Is that right? It is. Yep. I'm Brandy. You're Tiffany. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All true. All right. So let's start by talking about some exciting news that we have officially named this project. Yes. Yeah, so this is the Fit Fanny Project. And I will admit, you, you said it to me in writing, and I'm an idiot and can't read. And I was like, I was calling it Fit, Fit, Fit Tiffany, but <laughs> Fit Fanny, it's really cute because you just rearranged the letters in your name, right? And it obviously has a really good underlying theme. So do you want to talk about some of the project work you're doing alongside of the check-ins and the, the training that we're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So while we've been you know, focusing on my weight and trying to get, you know, my eating under control and the physical aspects uh, started, a lot of other things have kind of been triggered and, and have fallen, fallen alongside it. And that is the, the mental health aspect of what this transformation is, and also the spiritual health aspect. And so Fit Fanny um, is obviously my my name, the same seven letters, but the F and the T are rearranged because Tiffany is becoming fit. And um, through the physical health and the mental health and the spiritual health, Fit Fanny is, is a whole person and is able to uh, become her best self. And all, absolutely, I'm not there hundred percent yet. And so this is a transformation that is not only following uh, my pants size and mm -hmm. um, my weight, the number on a scale, which is like literally just the uh, representation of gravitational pull on earth, you know, and should not be a reflection of who I am as a human spiritually and mentally and, and should not erase all of the good deeds I have done in my life, which it has up until now. Uh, I told you before, like when I would step on the scale and see those high numbers, the rest of my day was shattered. Right. Or I would look in the mirror and see those fat rolls and automatically think I'm not worthy. I'm not right. good enough. I'm not smart. And that's wrong because your physical health is only one part of the whole puzzle. But it's a very important part because if you don't have your physical health, obviously the mental and the spiritual are going to fall to the wayside mm -hmm. because you can't do the things you need to do to get that holistic health. And so the Fit Fanny Project 
is going to be that transformation of not just physical, but also mental and spiritual um, going from a person who is broken and is, is showing the physical signs of being broken in the fact that, um, you know, the, the being overweight and to, to an unhealthy degree being overweight, um, and showing that in my size and my body representation, but, uh, that's not the accurate picture of, of who I am. And so many people, I think are looking in the mirror and, basing their worth and basing everything they do on what they see in the mirror and not actually diving deep into their brains and their heart and seeing who they are and, and what they can be. And then um, understanding that the physical part of it is just one piece of the puzzle. There's so much more to it. Yeah. And want to help other women who are going through this. Cause I don't think I'm the only one. I cannot be the only one, um, who is just focused on, on weight and not understanding that the rest of a human, you know, is not just the, their pant size and that there's so much to a woman and so much to a, a human, um, that is beyond, beyond their, their weight on the scale. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think it's really cool that, you know, we initially started this 13 weeks ago, purely because you were like, I'm ready to get in shape and lose weight and be healthier and all of this. But it's, it's really cool that this has triggered this extra awakening and that you're doing a lot of the work on your own. So you're working on blogs and videos and your own website, right? That Yes. So it's fitfanny.com. Um, so F I T. Oh gosh, sorry. Let me start over again. <laughs> Fitfanny.com, F I T F A N Y.com. And, uh, my YouTube channel is Fitfanny fitness. And so we're going to have blogs that tackle, um, anything from actual physical exercise to self-esteem issues, a lot of behavioral health um, issues and and uh, education on how our brains actually work. Um, I've been working in the mental health field for 22 years. Mm-hmm. I did the math the other day, um, which is really, really hard to even understand how that can happen since I'm only 22 myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've worked in the mental health field for 22 years and I have a wealth of information that I have used to help other people, um, but obviously not used to help myself and uh, being able to tap into that and do the work on my own to help me is going to allow me to help even more people and um, putting that information out there so that other people understand that um their weight is not who they are, that they are so much more than that. And to understand how our brains trick us and lie to us for survival reasons to make us think they you know these, these aspects are true. Um, I, I can't wait to share that with the world and for other people to see that, you know, you are worthy. You are not your weight. 
Uh, your weight absolutely has something to do with your health as a whole, but it's just one aspect of that. And that uh, you can overcome um, what you need to overcome and we can do it together. And mm-hmm. for them to be able to see that, uh, you know, I was there, I was in that place. You can look at the pictures of me in that place and see the videos of me in that place and um, come along with me as I try out these uh, new techniques and and try to do the work on myself. And, uh, you know, we can do it together and and learn and grow. And together we can uh, rule the world. I I think it's awesome. I'm excited. So people can see see you, see all your information there and keep following along with you on the podcast because this is just week 13. We're going to keep, keep going. So let's dig in. Okay. To remind everybody, you started in December at 237.5 pounds. I'm just going to give everybody the stats. Yep. We last checked in with you in week seven. So that is six weeks ago and you were 226. So you had lost 10.7 pounds this week, week 13. You just sent me your check-in and it said 218.6. So that's 12 pounds since our last check-in and 19 pounds total in 13 weeks. So that's pretty awesome. How do you feel about it? I feel good. I still, you know, like I said before in the last check-in, I still struggle because I am used to crash dieting and I am used to yo-yoing and, and, uh, you know, doing way too much too soon, but it, drops weight really quick. Yeah. And so the weight coming off slow mm-hmm. does mess with my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand the logic behind it. I mm-hmm. understand the long-term game. It's not a short-term game, right? It's and a permanent that, game. We're working on a permanent game, permanent. And, and the things I did before to lose the weight obviously did not work they, and they weren't sustainable. They weren't sustainable right. in the long term. Yeah. So, so when my logical side of my brain looks at the numbers, I'm stoked yeah. because that's awesome. Is it? It's huge. But then my emotions, you know, they start creeping up, and I'm like, "Gosh, I should be 150 pounds by now." It's been three months, right? Which, you know, I mean, that's not. And you put something in your check-in that we'll talk about in a couple minutes, but that's not uncommon, right? And that in my opinion, is very much representative of American culture of, I want everything fast and now and easy and big, right? Like I don't want to work for a year at this. I want to do something big and extreme and have massive immediate gratification. And, you know, and that's just, I think by and large American culture. So that mentality obviously bleeds right into the fitness and all you got to do is turn on the TV or open a magazine and all of the marketing is directly to that, right? Lose a hundred pounds in one day, you know, just <laughs> right. Things that are unreal. Which I did in my last check-in. Right. You did send me a check-in that said you lost a hundred pounds. And I wrote back, I'm like, so just to validate, that's a typo, right? <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely a typo. And I think because you make me list three other weights that I had this week. And I yes. think I put that same typo in every yes. single weight. Right. And, you know, just putting 118 pounds instead of 218 pounds. Right. I'm like, just checking, did, <laughs> did you lose a leg? What's happening here? So 
so you also sent me a photo grid of the last four major check-ins, December, January, February, March. Tell me what you think before I tell you what you think of the pictures. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you two things. So um, before I took the pictures, I, I did think the pictures were going to represent me smaller than they did. When you took the most recent pictures? The most recent ones. Okay. Because I've lost almost three pant sizes mm-hmm. um, and I've gone down, you know, just, just my size has mm-hmm. changed and, and my clothes fit better and I feel so good. Mm. I feel good. So in my head, I was like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to look like a bikini model. Of course, that's not logical. <laughs> and so when I saw the pictures, uh, the most recent pictures, I was a little disappointed, but then I put those pictures into the grid mm-hmm. and I saw the difference just over the last three months. It is it's un, unreal to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am not. Um, I don't look like Jennifer Lopez right now, but I that's not realistic. And so throwing those emotions um, away and looking mm-hmm. logical, which is what we need to do. Um, I am Jennifer Lopez because holy cow, yeah. I made some huge Huge gains. Well, wait, that's the wrong wording. No, right? I mean, gains, gains <laughs> in a positive sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's some huge losses and, and my shape is starting to change a little bit. Um, at first you can see my, my size was just changing, but I still have the same uh, shape, but now I think my shape is starting to change. And that's the most important thing to note. And I think, you know, you talked about, um, it being a little bit of a head game and it is, it is especially initially because for a period of time, your size is just going to change. So the things you don't like about your physique will still be there just in a different size. You'll just see your body kind of shrinking, but not necessarily the physique changes. Once you get to a certain healthy leanness, then we start working on physique changes. And then that's when the shape of your body changes. And that's where I think a lot of people get frustrated because in their minds, you know, everybody always sends us their ideal picture. And it's usually some very extraordinary looking physique, which is great, but people often equate, well, I'm going to lose weight and then turn into that physique. And that's not really what happens. It's kind of a two-part system. First, you get lean and fit then we build the physique. So everything you said is right. And I mean, you can just see the change in your waist, which three pant sizes makes perfect sense. And, you know, and that's a huge health indicator, especially in women, the the size of your waist, your waist circumference. You can see that. You can see um, like from the back side, bra rolls Mm -hmm. have gone away right? Like all of those things, which are just huge indicators of your body getting lean. And when I'm looking at somebody and judging leanness, I keep using that word. I am looking, can I, what's the waist area, the core area look like, you know, it should be, you should see some ab definition, not a washboard, but you should be able to see, you know, a lean, lean-ish midsection, 
backside kind of the same, right? No major fat rolls for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And then once you get through that, you can start to look at legs and once you should be able to see, you know, some basic quad definition and things like that. And so that's what I'm looking at. And you can see that stuff beginning to take shape on you. So that's all super, super positive. Um, you know, we're going to keep going. Obviously we talked about number wise before that probably around 180 ish is where you will start to be to a fit lean area where we can start really thinking about physique and, and your probably your ideal, normal, healthy, walking around fit for a middle-aged woman. It's probably somewhere in the one sixties mm-hmm. and that's where we're going. So totally, totally on track. Um, so we also did a couple of kind of big things this last cycle. One of the big things we did was pull out all gluten and dairy. So give me your thoughts on, on that experience. Well, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, pulled out gluten and dairy uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and saw in one week, almost a gosh, it was what a four pound drop. No, I thought it was six or seven in one week in one week. Yeah. Um, which is and, indicative and, of a lot of inflammation. Right. Uh, and I mean, and inflammation is water. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a, a huge pound drop in actual fat. Right. And I knew that because you can't drop that much in, in a week, just of, of fat. Um, but so that told me that I may have a gluten and or dairy issue. <laughs> right, right, right. So over the last the last week, last week I had incorporated back in some, um, some cheese and some items that had gluten in it. And last week I had, had a bad week, mm-hmm. you know, I, I gained some weight again and just, I could tell I, I wasn't feeling great. Um, so this week I took that out again and dropped yeah. So that, you know, is a nice little science experiment. Yeah. Um, that is telling me that my body, some for some reason, has a gluten um, and dairy issue. I have still kept uh, Greek yogurt in. Right, which I, I don't consider. Yeah, that, that has, that has uh, not caused a problem. Yeah. But cheese definitely has caused a problem in my, in my body and, um, bread or anything, any grains Mm -hmm. has caused issues, which is such a bummer to me because, um, in the past, those have been my go-to foods for emotional support. Mm -hmm. And that has been changing over the last few weeks. Um, I don't feel as tied to food as I used to when I would start to feel yucky. Um, but it is kind of a, it's still a sad world to think that I can't have as much cheese or (laughs) I haven't had bread in weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you the inside baseball on pulling the gluten and dairy and my decision-making on that. And I didn't tell you at the time because I just wanted you to pull it and not ask questions, but there's really, (laughs) there's really like three reasons 
why I make the decision to pull it from a client. If a client's in prep, I pull it, but that's a different conversation. First of all, most people do have some sort of intolerance or reaction to dairy and or gluten, even though you may not even know it because it's just been a low lying, consistent undercurrent of inflammation. So most people, when they pull it, find some sort of a, a um, inflammation go down. Second, oftentimes the high gluten, shall we call them foods and cheese-ish foods, are also the high processed junk, high sodium foods people are eating. So you eliminate that, you eliminate a lot of junk. Mm-hmm. The third reason is absolutely what you teed on. If somebody is going to get out of control, it's typically involving cheese or high processed carbs. People usually aren't going to get out of control on chicken breast or a <laughs> lean protein or a fruit or vegetable. It's almost always involving bread, cheese, chips, dips, pizza, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's not to say that you can never have that food again, but right now you're trying to put yourself in the best situation that you can be in, right? So, you know, if you're trying to quit smoking, you don't go sit with your friends in the smoke pit and expect yourself not to smoke. Having been in those situations plenty myself, it doesn't work at all. (laughs) So that's part of the thought process. If you, and you kind of, it's funny, you sort of did the experiment without me having to even do it, right? You pulled, pulled it, had a great reaction in your body, added it back in on your own. That was not my choice. Sorry about that. (laughs) Added it back in on your own, had a bad reaction. And then when you eliminated it again, you saw that was, and, you know, let's be fair. You added it back in on your own because it was an overeating event, Mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't like you, yeah. So you didn't, it wasn't a situation where I'm like, well, let's, let's try to add a little cheese in and see if that changes anything. It was an overeating event that got out of control. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess instead of saying overeating, because I think I still met my calories that day, it was an emotional. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Because for me and and growing up, um, food was tied to birthdays. It was tied to Mm -hmm. holidays. It was tied to uh, just feeling good. If you had a bad day at school, you know, grandma would pour us a a bowl of Cheetos and, um, and a Coke. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I grew up tying those good feelings into food, but also tying, if I'm having a bad feeling, food will fix it. Yeah. So that's the mental health part of it that needs to be focused on is that food, um, it's like Pavlov's dog, you know, Mm -hmm. when you ring the bell and the dog's uh, mouth would salivate. It's the same thing here that the bell wasn't, wasn't really anything other mm-hmm. than a stimulus that, that sparked thoughts in the dog's right. mind. And same here with me is that uh, I have these emotions and then food is this stimulus that makes me think that right. 
it's going to make me feel better. And it, and it, the problem is, is that it does make you feel better for a minute because it does create those endorphins and it, it does satisfy that need temporarily. But then the reverse is it, it it's almost like drugs, you know, mm-hmm. you need more the next time to satisfy. And it's just, it's a snowball. Yeah. It's an absolute snowball because the other thing that happens to me, and I don't think I put that into my check-in was that I couldn't stop thinking about tacos mm-hmm. for like two more days. That's all I wanted because right. it felt so damn good to satisfy those emotional needs. It had nothing to do with hunger and, and, uh, you know, being deprived nutritionally, it was all about my emotional needs and wanting to satisfy those. And so what, what I need to do is find a replacement for those emotional needs that is not food and that is absolutely not gluten and cheese. Um, the other yeah. thing that made me think, and I don't know if maybe you can touch on this a little bit is a lot of the foods that we crave, the junk foods that we crave also can sit on the shelf for a long period of time yes. and not go bad. Right. So is there some sort of chemical yes. that it, because yes. our brains aren't supposed to have chemicals, right? There's, there are, there is absolutely chemicals put in processed foods that make them addictive, right? Like Doritos are a great example. The absolutely a hundred percent food is engineered junk food, particularly high marketed, high processed junk food is engineered to make you addicted to it. Right. Do you know anybody addicted to broccoli? <laughs> no, right. Not, <laughs> it's not a thing. And so, so I, you're on the right track. Absolutely. As far as like the food being a coping mechanism and all of that. I will say, at least from my personal experience with myself and working with a lot of clients, once you eliminate a lot of that highly addictive food, if you reintroduce it, once your body's clean, it is such a negative experience that it solves itself, right? It's not like, not that I've ever been on drugs, but you know, you see a drug addict get clean and then they do heroin one time and then they can't stop again. Mm-hmm. Often what I see is, you know, somebody gets very clean, whole food, getting rid of all of the foods that are causing their body pain and then have an event where they go somewhere with friends and eat a bunch of stuff they haven't eaten. Well, you end up on the toilet for so long with your body rejecting all of those foods that that often just solves itself and you don't have to continue to fight to eliminate those foods out of your diet. Right. So, so yes, you're on the right track of recognizing all of that. The only other thing I would add is if you have a trigger food for you, it's tacos. I'm hearing <laughs> for me, well, I don't just have one trigger food, but that sounds like a big one. Tacos, tacos is a big one. Yeah. So, and it sounds like it's a two fold situation where tacos is your trigger food. And also you have a lot of special events in your life that call for tacos. <laughs> Right. So mine is pizza, right? Like if we order pizza, I don't have the ability most times to eat a piece of pizza and then have pizza in the refrigerator and ignore it. Mm-hmm. I have to eat all the pizza. So at least for those kind of situations, I quite literally throw it in the garbage. 
right? So if you have leftovers, leftovers is a big problem for a lot of people. If that's going to be a negative draw, throw it in the garbage, period. Don't keep it in your house, right? If it's in the trash, you're probably not going to go out in the trash can and eat it. Right. My problem is, is there's a lot of other people in my house that could eat it. (laughs) Well, then you have to stop making it. If it's something that's negative to you, you know what I mean? Like you might have to, until you're in a better place, find something else that isn't so triggering. You know what I mean? Or eat a different version of it. You know, not, not use the cheese, not use the, not eat a flour tortilla. Yes. But then if you have a big stack of flour tortillas and cheese in your house, is that going to be something that's going to be a huge draw on your psyche to continue to avoid for a bunch of days? Probably. I think I just Mm -hmm. need to move out. (laughs) But, you know, here's the thing. I hear this a lot from people who are in the exact place you are. There's this mental concept of you're going to deprive your family, but you're depriving your family of what? The same battle that you're fighting right now. I mean, they're fine without tacos. (laughs) (laughs) And I hear that from a lot of people like, well, I have to keep junk food in my house. It's what my kids want to eat. Well, why is it that you're trying to be better, but you're not going to try to help your family? Right. You're sitting here telling me all the reasons why what you're doing is harmful to you. Well, it's also harmful to your kids and your family. And, you know, I'll also hear, well, I have, I have picky eaters. Well, except for the few cases where there is actually some sort of texture issue or something like that, that's, you know, diagnosed behavioral issue. Pickiness is just, is just behavioral. Right. Right. Nobody died from not having Pringles. Right. You know, I mean, if we, if we took, again, if we took all the emotional aspects and the social aspects out of food and got down to the fact that it is literally what our bodies need to regenerate itself and give our energy, give ourselves energy, then it doesn't matter what the food is. You should only be looking at nutritional content. If you're not just looking at nutritional content, then it is a head game. It it is your mind telling you, you know, if it's good or bad. Like, I almost wish sometimes taste buds didn't exist. (laughs) And, you know, like, it's okay to still like certain foods and eat them on the right occasion. That's definitely not, you know, you don't have to swear off. We're just using tacos as an example, but tacos for the rest of your life. Yeah. But if it is problematic right now, then now's not the time. Like, for example, I have no control over Doritos. Mm. Now my kids love Doritos. If I asked them if they wanted Doritos, they'd eat them every day of the week, right? I can't have them in the house. They're not healthy for me. They're not healthy for my kids. So I buy pita chips or um, rice cakes. Do any of us like them as much as Doritos? Of course not but it's a, it's a healthier option and I'm not depriving my kids of anything, you know? So just keep that in mind. I know that, you know, I know that that's, it's difficult. My point is don't torture yourself trying to be around a trigger for the sake of other people. Right. They're they're all going to be fine. (laughs) All right. So very cool. So 
you also had kind of an interesting situation where your stress sort of went off the charts in the last couple of weeks. How are you feeling about everything now? Um, okay. So I think the last time we talked or the last two times ago that, that we talked, yeah. uh, I, I mentioned that I had a, a lot of people living in my house. Right. So that changed almost super quickly. So I, I had a, a foster child that, that ended up leaving. And then my husband's two daughters ended up moving out. And so my stress kind of decreased. And then my stress in, increased again. And I think a lot of the reason why it increased again was because I had another change. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't do well with uh, change. I like my life to be very predictable, very status quo. I plan vacations out two years in advance. Um, I like to know what's happening, never like the carpet being pulled out from under me. And um, over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of changes with my job. Um, Some more things have been put on my plate that are very overwhelming to me. Not, Not that they're incredibly, uh, hard or things that, I mean, I think a lot of people could be able to navigate these changes, but the fact that it is a change has thrown me off. And what happens to me is, uh, my, my thoughts go out of control that Mm -hmm. there's a change. And then I almost become paralyzed, which increases my stress because then I'm not getting other things done because I'm like in this paralyzed mode because I have so many thoughts going on in my head. Um, so uh, really the only thing that happened, um, well, last week my, my daughter had come home for an impromptu visit, um, which was a wonderful experience. I loved having her, but again, it was change and that caused stress. And then um, since schools are starting to reopen and sports are starting to start back up, um, I was asked to be the cross country head coach for my school. Um, and I, uh, I initially had declined the offer, but then nobody else stepped up to do it. And so my principal uh, very strongly encouraged me to do it. And so I kind of got put into this head coach for cross country uh, position, which is very stressful to me because I've never done it before. Um, Yes, I have a history of of running, but not a history of coaching running. And um, I'm not in the best shape right now. And I just want to do a really good job for the kids. And I don't have any information that has already been gathered. So I have to gather all my information and it's been a lot of added work that I think typically would be a fun experience, except for all the other things going on, um, on all the other changes in my life. Um, and I just, I feel off balance and that I, I battle the thought in my head of just honestly, just crawling into bed and pulling the covers over my head and just laying there until it's all over. I battle that daily. And sometimes moment to moment, um, even while I'm at work, when uh, something comes at me out of the blue, um, I just, I have the thought of, I just want to go home. I just want to run. 
So I guess uh, my survival mode when it comes to change mm-hmm. is that uh, flight, the mm-hmm. fight, mm-hmm. flight or freeze. Mine is running away and 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 fleeing from the danger <laughs> of the change. So that is where my stress is right now. Is uh, I'm in the middle of this change, and when you. I, I understand that when you like uh, dissect it all and, and put it all out in front of you, it's not really that big of a deal. But to me and in my head, it feels like an earthquake mm-hmm. and everything is just falling apart. <laughs> so let me ask you, have you always known that change is this big of a trigger or did you just kind of realize it through this recent process? Um, I've all, okay. So I've always hated change. I've always had coping skills of planning way far in advance and, and making sure that, um, things are lined up, um, so that change doesn't affect me, but I have just now realized that that is why I have those coping skills. Hmm. So, so in the back of my head, I always knew I didn't like things to change. I've lived in the same town my whole life. Mm-hmm. I lived in my old house for 17 and a half years. Right. <laughs> um, so I've always known that I like things to stay the same, but I never connected it to an actual aspect of mental health and connected it to the fact that I am coping with these, uh, these, um, behaviors Um, I always thought it was just, you know, a preference. Now I'm realizing it is actually a behavioral coping skill that I use um, to cover up this underlying problem of of feeling, I guess what I do is I feel um, insecure Mm -hmm. and unsafe when things change. And when things are the same, I feel safe. And so it's this fear of being in an unknown territory and unknown experience that causes me to panic and become overwhelmed. Do you find it helpful to mentally start to separate the stressor, the stress, the thing is stressor from how you're feeling stress? Like, for example, like to your point, the coaching cross country, that's the stressor and it's makes you have extraordinary stress. Now it's coaching cross country itself, like a life-changing dangerous tiger. No, because another person might do it and be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't care because it doesn't bother me. Does it help you to start to separate those two things and feel like you have more control over your reaction? Um, yeah, it, it does. And, and that's brand new. And that Mm -hmm. is through this experience. And I think the first revelation I had was when I was talking about all the humans that were living in my house and how I was so overwhelmed and I had to do this and I had to do that. And then I realized nobody was asking me to do anything. That was me putting that on myself. And I think I do the same thing, especially with this case with cross country. It is not cross country. It is not going outside and running around with the kids and being, being there for them and, and uh, teaching them and allowing them this opportunity. It's all the stress and the, the expectations I'm putting on myself mm-hmm. to be the best, to do the best job, to uh, be able to give them 
everything I need to give them. Um, and not knowing what, what it is exactly that I'm supposed to be doing. Cause I'm making it up as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the stress I'm putting on myself. And so when I break it down and actually like physically break it down, like on a piece of paper, write down exactly what is going on and what am I feeling? I see that my feelings aren't really connected to what's going on. I'm right. kind of making it up in my head. I'm making yeah. up stories yeah. in my head because really what's going on is I uh, put my running shoes on at two 30 and I go outside right. and I get to hang out with some really cool kids who are just gung ho about a sport that I am also gung ho about. And we run around for two hours and they give me high fives and then they go home that's what's actually happening yeah. in my head. I am a bad coach. I'm a failure. I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm doing. I'm not giving them everything they need. My boss is asking me to do too much. I don't have time for this. I, you know, all of these yeah. things aren't really connected to the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, it's, it's the, the mental game. It's, it's, completely in my head, but I'm noticing that almost everything that I thought was a physical problem is actually all in my head. Like literally it's all in my head. I mean, you're not alone, right? Like I think most people go through that. Right. And when, and a lot of times I find if I'm stressed out about something and then I go to tell somebody about it, as I'm telling it, I'm like, Okay, this sounds like a really fucking stupid story as compared to how like spun up I am. <laughs> when right. I say it out loud, it sounds really stupid. <laughs> Many times when I, when, you know, Phil, Phil will ask me what's wrong and then I'll go to tell him and then I'll have to say over and over again, you just don't understand. You right. just don't understand. But I think that's me telling myself that, uh, come on, come up, come up with something bigger because right. your reaction doesn't match what is actually happening <laughs> or Jim's answer to a lot is like, or you could just not care. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. The, the world problems solved right there. If we just I didn't mean, care. I mean, there's a car that's been down my street parked illegally for probably four months and I can't handle it. So I finally made a report. So they came and they put a letter on it to move it a week ago. It's still out there. It's making me crazy. It's making <laughs> me fucking crazy, right? Like I'm stressed out trying to figure out how to get this car. And oh, by the way, what kind of asshole parks their car like that? Who do you think you are? Why am I paying all these homeowners fees if nobody can get this goddamn car out of the way? Blah, 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 blah. And Jim's reaction is, or you could just not care about the car. <laughs> right? You're and then like, you're like, oh. oh. Yeah, you're like, oh. But again, that's, that's you causing yourself the stress. Right. Other, a lot of other people live in your neighborhood, right? They don't care about the probably car. probably not spiraling about this car. <laughs> right. They clearly, nobody else cares about the damn car. Because it's they, still there. Because it's still fucking there. <laughs> so no, I think that that's great. But I, I mean, I think that's all like huge steps forward. And there's nothing you can do other than keep working on this right? Because I think we've talked about it in a bunch of check-ins, like there's an acute stress situation, like somebody's sick or 
there's a big event at work or you have a conflict, right? There's an acute situation that you're trying to solve. And once that problem solved, that stress goes away. But then there's just chronic stress, right? And that's what you're talking about, just chronic stress and where you realize like, okay, the situation is never going to change. So I just have to figure out a different way to deal with it. And I, I, one of my spiels with my kids in my classroom almost every day is about how you cannot change the world. You cannot change the way people think. You cannot change other people's behaviors, Mm -hmm. but you absolutely can change the way you interact with the world, the way you respond and the way you think you have complete control over you. You don't have control over other people. Right. And so it's like, when am I going to start practicing what I preach? And if the kids ever found out, you know, what is actually in my brain, they all call me a fraud (laughs) because I don't practice that unless I mindfully make myself. And I want to thank you for last week, um, you uh, giving me the the tip to incorporate yoga and some, Mm -hmm. some meditation because I have, and it really has, uh, I suck at it. I'm really bad at it, but it has started my mind in the right direction of, um, I can control my thoughts. I can control my physiological response to my thoughts by thinking other thoughts. Yeah. And cool. that's what I think yoga and meditation yeah. teach you. If you haven't learned to do that, then you just haven't learned how to do that. It doesn't mean you're incapable or you're broken in some way or right. you know, I have high anxiety and so I'm always right. going to have high anxiety. Well, no, there are ways to to train your brain yeah. and to teach yourself how to uh, stop yeah. living in a state of high anxiety, but, but you have to learn it. And just like anything you learn, you have to start at the beginning and it sucks. Cause I want to be the best at it. I want to be able to do it really well, but I'm not good at it yet. And so like during a 10 minute meditation session, I probably only get into a good headspace for a minute of that because right. all of my thoughts are flying yep. here and there and here and there. But the lady guiding my meditation, I can't remember her name. She's Aditi? Through, no, it's it's through my tonal app. Oh. And and she's my best friend. Yeah. I mean, she just, oh my gosh. Like she does an amazing job yeah. of guiding and saying, you know, let the thoughts come in, but then gently push them back out. Yeah. It's just a, pra- it's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, like when you start, yoga or meditation, it is really fucking hard. And the hardest part for me, especially because I'm a like squirrel in the brain kind of person as well. Like I'm a, well, I have this to do and that to do is just sticking with it. Like I will literally find myself in a meditation sitting there and wanting to turn it off so bad because I want to get up. Oh, I forgot. I need to make a note that I need to and just beginning to learn, okay, you're going to sit here and try to do what this woman is telling you. And if you forget to make that note, everybody's going to live. And if you forget to do the thing that you wanted to make the note about, everybody's still going to live. You know, it's so funny you said that because my second meditation, 
I did turn it off early. Mm -hmm. And and so a review thing popped up um, and said, you know, how many stars would you rate this? And um, basically, why did you end it before it was over? And uh, I was like, oh, crap, now I'm in trouble. And so I I did the review. And then I thought, well, I don't want her to be in trouble because it wasn't her. (laughs) So I wrote in the (laughs) comments. See, this is where I went. But then I wrote in the comments. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> I, I can't turn my brain off. I keep thinking of other things. You were great. And then I sent it. And then I, I actually thought how stupid that was that I'm like apologizing to this recording. Of, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to die. That is so, so. <laughs> But that's what happened to me too. I started just, just living in the world of, okay, I got to do this. And, and I only have 10 minutes to take a shower Mm -hmm. and this and that and the other. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God. That's funny, but keep at it. Right. And it's, I mean, it's a work in progress. Like I, you know, there's those yogis who can sit all day and meditate and I'll never be there Mm -hmm. ever, but I can be the best five minute meditator right? Like, and that's where I think a lot of people go wrong on meditation and yoga is they start way too hard, right? Like, you know, you see somebody the first time doing yoga, doing some stupid pose that they have no business doing, you know, like it is a building process. Yoga is a building process for your mind and body and same with meditation. So speaking of funny stories, you sent me a funny story in your check-in last week about, um, going crazy on the weights. Like you threw down, (laughs) on the weights certainly did so i i was doing lunges uh with 20 pound weights (laughs) and i did it to the point where uh i could not i i couldn't walk anymore i could barely go up the stairs i was shaking as i was walking i couldn't stand still and i hurt for three days yeah i hurt so bad and then i listened to your latest podcast (laughs) Um, where you very clearly say, don't do exercises that aren't meant for you. Don't (laughs) do exercises that aren't where you're at. Because if you do, you're going to hurt yourself and set yourself back. Yeah. And then I thought, was that, did you set me up? (laughs) That's so funny, but true. Come on, you could have done that podcast a week earlier and then I would have never done that. It's, it's so true though. It's, I mean, it's so true. So like, I guess you <laughs> real life test case that <laughs> I'm not full of crap, but you're exactly right. You know, if you do a workout or weight load that is not meant for you, you're going to get hurt. And to your point of setting yourself back, either you're going to be emotionally disappointed or you had to take four days off, five days off to get a good workout in again. So you know, like nobody cares how much weight you lift. It just has to be the white, right weight for you, mm-hmm. but good for you for giving it a shot. Like while you were doing it, did you, as you were doing it, were you like, this is too heavy or did you find out when it was too late? Well, I found out when it was too late because, okay. you know, at first I was like, wow, I still got it. I'm so strong. Um, and then probably halfway through, I was like, well, I've, I've gone this far. I got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when I actually like physically collapsed, cause I yeah. couldn't continue the lunges, then I thought, oh crap, I did too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, lesson learned on that. And then you've also been working the Hal Higdon 
um, yeah. 5k program, which I think is a great, you're doing the beginner, the beginner and which yeah. in the past, <laughs> you know, me, I would have grabbed the advanced yes. marathon plan. Yes, I do and, know that. And started out the gate at an 18 mile mm-hmm. run for exactly and, one run, <laughs> done one run and then thrown in the towel. Yeah. So again, this is training myself yeah. uh, to go backwards and build a better foundation yeah. so that I can get to a, a stronger, better place. I love it. So what do you have coming up between now and our next check-in April 18th, our next live check-in April 18th? I am going to Hawaii. So what's the game plan there? I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, so vacationing, let, oh, so let me set you up. Vacationing is very difficult. It's difficult for everybody. It's difficult if you're already in prime shape. It's difficult if you're already an experienced athlete. If you're not all of those things, it's extra difficult, which means you have to have an extra realistic plan. Mm -hmm. And a realistic plan is something that you can execute. So often people say, well, I'm still going to eat 100% clean and bring all my own food and not do anything. And that's not realistic. You have to find a way to balance it all so that nothing gets out of control but that you're also not setting yourself up to be in a position where you're like, well, I can't do any of this. So forget all of it. Yeah. So well, how- I think one thing that's going to help me is that it's, it's Hawaii and Hawaii is a, for me and for my husband is a very different type of vacation than if we were say going to Vegas with the buffets and the alcohol and everything. Um, Hawaii for us is going to be very active. Um, we're going to be, um, doing stand-up paddle boards and going on hikes. And um, every day we have a planned activity that is very, very active. Um, When I'm doing that, I can't be drinking alcohol because Mm -hmm. I I can't do those activities if I feel like crap. Um, And as far as like staying up late, Hawaii shuts down at nine. Nothing is open past 9 p.m., so my sleep should stay the same. And, um, so the only thing I'm going to be struggling with, I think is the food part mm-hmm. of it, that everything, obviously we're not going to have a kitchen. So everything's going to be eating out. Um, and uh, I'm going to have to really be mindful about going towards healthy options, um, which, you know, shouldn't be too terribly hard given, you know, the, the cuisine in Hawaii is a lot of, um, a lot of natural healthy options anyway, then a lot of fresh fruits and, and fish and, um, you know, food like that. But I'm going to have to be very careful because you can have, you can go sideways for sure on the food, but as far as like a typical vacation that I normally would have with a, a bunch of, you know, overindulging and no activity, this trip's going to be a lot different. Do you have a fridge in your hotel room? Yes. So that should be almost legitimately stop number one and to the grocery store and stock up on all of the healthy options you can get to have in your room on hand. Because the danger is if you have nothing you will have to rely on whatever you can get your hands on quickly. But 
go to the grocery store, get the fruits, the vegetables, um, you know, even some like minor lean protein snacks that you can have that are healthy water, gallons mm-hmm. of water, all of those kind of things. Ha- that is the number one thing you can do to set yourself up for success is rely on eating out as little as possible. Um, it's really easy to eat two or three meals out of food from the grocery store that you can have in your refrigerator. The second hard line that I would say that you take with yourself is logging because that's the other thing that immediately goes south. People go on vacation, they stop logging, and that's just a Pandora box. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing you can do to keep yourself focused is just make a hard line decision that you're going to log no matter what. And then get as have as much as your own food on hand as you can. And that should, you know, that should keep things balanced enough. It's about accountability and about being prepared. That's mm-hmm. kind of the bottom line. So yeah. that would be my suggestion on that. All right. So moving moving forward between now and the next time we talk online, I think we can realistically set a goal of 205, which would be 32 pounds overall. Um, that is what 12 or 13 pounds from where you are right now over the next six weeks. So just kind of sticking to that healthy two pounds a week. So that reminds me real quick in your check-in, you asked the inevitable question that everybody asks and everybody says, I'm eating 1800 calories a day right now. I'm now that I'm eating whole foods, I'm finding it hard to get all the foods in. If I was eating less, less, would I lose weight faster? Yes, maybe like technically, scientifically, if you eat less calories, are you in more of a deficit and therefore will lose more weight? Yes, probably. But it's not really that simple because then there's a lot of reasons why that is not effective. First of all, you'll be a lot hungrier. And when you're a lot hungrier, you're in a lot more danger, right? The, the goal for you, if you're telling me right now, you're losing two pounds a week and you're not hungry that's a great place to be, right? So we are not at all in any type of a danger zone. Once we start to get into hungry, hungry zone, that's when bad things can happen. Um, I also see that your protein is often a little low. So there's some room in there to get your protein in, even if you're not getting all your calories in and that can eat up your calories faster, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're also want to keep you at a place that you can easily sustain and stay consistent at. If we dropped your calories more, you would have to fight a lot harder to make it work. And again, that just opens up a lot more opportunity for error unnecessarily We're you're getting exactly, you're exactly on track, right? The goal is for us to do the least amount possible while getting the results that we want. So that's absolutely where we are. The third reason why it doesn't make sense to drop your calories is you are going to continue to increase your physical activity. When we started on the 1800 calories, it was, and we've been on it since the beginning, but it was just cleaning up and you were doing no physical activity. It is getting continually ramped up, not only to a full program, which I would consider you at now, you're doing cardio four to five days a week. 30, 45 minutes of cardio and lifting four or five days a week. So you're in a full program. 
as you're building your foundation, the intensity of that and your performance is increasing. So overall, you're going to continue to burn more calories in your training. So it, again, doesn't make sense to drop your calories simultaneously while you're going to be burning more calories while we're already getting the result we want in a very comfortable way. So that's really the justification why I think the 1800 is low enough. Okay. If you're having trouble getting in the volume of food, adjust the food a little bit. Okay. Because for your current physique, 1800 calories is pretty low, right? Um, for, for any athlete, that's actually pretty low. So you're not on what I would consider high calories and going any lower, I think is just unnecessary. And again, it's, it's acting erratic when it's not necessary. So I think you keep cranking, building that foundation. I think the cardio and the training you're doing, like we just said, four to five days a week, about 30 minutes of each, just continuing to focus on the performance aspect of it, not doing more, just continuing better quality and better consistency. I think you need to stay on the same calories definitely through this vacation, 100%, because mm -hmm. before vacation is also never the time to drop calories. Right. <laughs> so we want you on the, if anything, you try to ramp up before vacation. So you have plenty of wiggle room because we wouldn't want to drop you. Then you go on vacation and inevitably eat a little bit more. And now you just gained a bunch of weight because we now created a huge surplus. Right. Um, you know, I think the stress is good. Water intake is good. You're at a solid gallon, right? Yeah. Sleep is good. You're getting in seven, eight hours and you're feeling good. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all awesome. All right. Anything else before we sign off for another six weeks? <laughs> We talk weekly, just nobody else gets to hear it except for right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think, I think things are going well and you know, it's, this is hard that, but like I said in the beginning, this is not just about physical and my, about my weight. Yeah. Actually, again, if I wrote everything down and talked about, well, what is hard? Well, the actual physical part of it and the, the physical fitness and the, the food, that's not really hard anymore. It's right. the mental part of it that is the hardest right now. Yep. And that's what drives all of it. Yep. So, so yes, this is hard, but I'm doing more mental push-ups right now than I, than, than physical. hundred percent. I mean, I always say this, this training and nutrition is simple, but it's not easy. Right. You know, it's simple, but it's the, the mental aspect of it that, that gets you. Well, you're doing an awesome, awesome job. So Thank have you. fun in Hawaii and we'll talk in six weeks. All right. See you later. Bye. Okay. And we're back. So the name of the project is Fit Fanny. 
Did she, how did she come up with that just with the letters in her name? Because I, I could never look. I'm one of those people who can't do like word scrambles and figure mm-hmm. out like, oh, here's some letters. So come up with the words. And I'm like, what the fuck? Let alone make something else out of my actual name. But there's not a lot you can do with T-I-N-A. Well, we, we kind of went through the process that you and I go through sometimes where it's like, what about this? Okay, we're on the right track, but it's not quite there. What about this? Okay, that's getting closer. What about this? So we probably went back and forth 20 times. Okay. Um, using the theme of breakfast at Tiffany's at first, and then, you know, breakthrough at Tiffany's. And then through that, she just came up with this bit fanny and she talked about really her vision. And this was kind of her own separate epiphany. I ha- I didn't play anything into this epiphany? other than a Tiffany epiphany. There you go. Hey, that might be another name. A tiff piff. You know what? That didn't even end up on the list. Huh? Hmm. We'll have to say well, that. She one. can have tip piffs, <laughs> tip piffs during her fit fanny project. <laughs> there you go. There you go. A but you know, kind of how we talked about last time that a lot of the conclusions that she's coming to are what we coach, and she's coming to those on her own through this natural process. And she came to me and said, "You know, the more I go through this, I don't think this is just about the physical." And I don't even think it's just about the mental. It has to be this this triad of the physical and the mental and the spiritual for this to ever really work. And I have to start exploring this. And I was like, do it, girl. Our life athlete pillars or our circle of wellness or, you know, wellness wheel or all the other things that we use as sort of coaching tools. She is, you know, uh, she's 100 percent, 100 percent right. Um, so I, and you know, I, and again, I think I said this in the last episode, but she's so articulate. She explains herself so well. And I think that, you know, and she, she, I don't know if she had said this previously in other, um, other podcasts, but she's got 22 years in, you know, the industry. She works with kids with special needs, right? I mean, she's, she's a teacher, but, Mm -hmm. um, so she's got some mental health background, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that, makes, I think it really does help her work through her stuff now that she is taking the time to do that herself. And I found it, you know, I found it really, um, interesting. I think it was a very brave of her to admit that, you know, she's like, if these kids found out that I don't even practice what I preach, you know, I, I'm a fraud, right? Like they Mm -hmm. would, you know, they would think I'm a fraud and, oh God, how many, you know, (laughs) how many parents, how many parents, how many coaches? I mean, mm-hmm. look, I've struggled with my own, Some, you know, sometimes I'm just like, well, I'm telling my clients to meditate every day. And I'm like, shit, it's been about oh, two weeks since I've meditated, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fraud alert, fraud alert, right? But, you know, I think, you know, we all, you know, it is easier to um, take our education and experience and apply it to other people than it is to apply to ourselves. Because like she said in this episode, this shit is fucking hard. This mm-hmm. is the hard work she has never done before, which is why she has never been able to sustain her health and fitness. And, and, and now she's getting there. Now she's making huge progress. She's lost how many pounds? 19 pounds I got at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's checking all the boxes as far as like on paper, textbook, losing the weight, getting the nutrition down, getting, starting to build a training foundation, but then having these bigger picture breakthroughs. And these are what we need from any client, right? If we're actually going to make sustainable changes or really push an athlete 
to be at that next level. You have to have the bigger picture understanding and be really in tune with yourself and be willing to call yourself out on your bullshit, right? You don't have to have it all right or fix it all, but be able to say, you know what? Like I'm kind of full of shit right now. And sometimes that, that's just the start of it because you're never going to be a hundred percent on point, right? If you're in denial on things, it really limits the changes that you can make. Oh, so absolutely. And so I'm super excited to see how her project rolls out. Oh, me too. And I went and checked out the website, but it's literally just a website page. There's nothing there yet. So I was excited. I was hoping yeah. I was going to see some blogs and stuff, but, um, you know, so back to the, the weight loss part, cause I, you know, I, I think the, the mental, emotional, spiritual stuff is, is really like so, so much more of the cool stuff, but you know, again, touching on the slower weight loss, right? Um, and I did pick up on her, you know, she said she dropped three pant sizes and she, with an exclamation mark at the end of it, said she feels great, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then it was, but I still get disappointed when I step on the scale and I'm not seeing a 30-pound weight loss in two weeks, right? right? Because that's what she had, you know, done previously, which was not sustainable, you know, and she talked about her logical versus her emotional brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and again, so most of us live in our emotional brain and never, or I'm sorry, the logical, no, the emotional brain. Emotional most of us brain. are probably living in the emotional brain all the time and don't take a step back to, you know, to make sure that we're checking in with a logical brain and, you know, what it is that we're really trying to do. Um, so I, you know, I thought that was, was cool. And I, I did go and look at the pictures in the, in the photo grid. And I mean, you really can see a huge, huge difference when you, when you look at the side by sides. Yeah. And so hopefully we'll share that photo grid when this episode goes out, but you know, it is tough as a coach to walk somebody through that, right? Because they are making great progress. They feel like they're making great progress. And then they see a picture of themselves. And it sets them back because expectations aren't in line. And one of the most difficult parts of somebody losing a lot of weight is your size is going to change first. The shape of your body is going to be the last thing to change. And people kind of want that to happen at the same time. She wants to be J-Lo right away, apparently. Right, right. (laughs) But you know, like the shape that you have, which is probably not exactly what you want, the physique, that's just going to get a smaller and smaller version of what you have. Then you can begin to work on changing the physique aspects of it. And that's kind of hard for people to wrap their head around sometimes because it's like, well, but I want all the belly fat to be gone. And I want my size to be tiny. And I want the, you know, the big shoulders and the tiny waist and the big butt. Well, it's like, well, unless you had that when you started, you know, first, we just have to get you to a healthy body weight, which is probably going to be the same shape, just a smaller yeah. one. Yeah. And, you know, again, building the foundation or, mm-hmm. or, you know, we're just, we're shoring up the foundation at this point, right? We're making yeah. a, a healthy foundation to them right. building upon, right? So yeah. yeah, no, I that I thought that was really um, good. I mean, we don't have to get into all the details about. I mean, there was a long conversation about gluten and dairy. Um, you know, we well, let me. About- I'll come. I'll comment on that just real quick. And I can't remember if I said in the podcast, but the real thought process behind pulling the gluten and the dairy for her, it is not the gluten and the dairy itself. It's that those are the triggers, right? 
Yes, those and you did are, mention it in the podcast. Did I talk about I literally it? Yeah. just listened to it, yes. Because, you know, gluten and dairy, if used for goodness, is fine. But those are where people go wrong, and especially her. And it's often a lot easier to ask somebody to remove gluten and dairy than it is to tell them to stop eating pizza. It's just a, a mental yep. shift. No, I no, you are you are a thousand. I'm going to say a thousand percent, not a hundred percent. You're a thousand. Ooh, I like it. I mm. like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to comment on that. And you know, then she also talked about you know emotional eating from childhood and things yep. like that. And obviously, like I was there for that childhood. So I agree. I mean, that was a thing. It was also the '80s. Like we didn't know that Doritos and secondhand smoke was bad right? Did you know? I didn't know. No. And, but, you know, again, you know, I can relate to this too. I mean, everything was celebrated with food. There was no healthy food in my house. I mean, we've talked about this on other podcasts. Like, you know, I lived on Twinkies and ramen and fried pork chops and mashed potatoes and, you know, whatever. And yeah, I mean, you're happy you eat, you're sad, you eat, you celebrate your eat, you know, whatever you got a good grade, you eat. I mean, it just, you know, I, I get that. And then, you know, and some people take that emotional eating to a whole other place, um, which is where your sister has been. I mean, she talked about how that is her, you know, her comfort, the endorphins, she talked about the endorphins that it gives, you know, it does. I mean, and it is, it is a legit thing. Right. And you talked about how, um, you know, foods are, foods are, are designed to make you want more food, right? Like, I mean, Oreos and Doritos and, you know, they're highly palatable foods. Um, you know, it's not that our, our bodies aren't made to have chemicals. We're made up of chemicals. Everything's got chemicals. Even healthy food has chemicals. It's the, it's the overly processed, highly Mm -hmm. palatable foods that make you crave more foods because of how your body digests and what it does to your brain and all the things you guys talked about. And we've talked about it a million times on this podcast before, but you know, um, it's important. I think what you did was slick, um, and smart and, um, you know, and she learned a, a, a good lesson through it, I think, right. Without yeah. feeling like, oh my God, I'm deprived. I can't have pizza. You were just like, oh yeah, just don't have, you know, gluten or dairy. And then apparently tacos are an issue. So, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are into tacos. I'm like, I'm not a taco person. Like I can get on board with the pizza, but the tacos, not so much the chips hundred percent. Um, but anyway, I thought that was, <laughs> that was really good. And, and side note, right? Like we don't just randomly take gluten and dairy out of people's diets because no. gluten and dairy are not the enemy. So, so right. thank you for explaining to people your rationale behind that. And you did actually talk about it in the, in the session too. So I thought that was really good. Um, the other big theme I, I really, um, latched onto in this one that I think we've talked about before. And I know we do this at the retreat is the cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. Your sister has a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. And she specifically was talking about, so what I captured was the, you know, over-dramatization, the end of the world scenario that, you know, this is the worst possible thing when she was asked to coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all the things that could go wrong, right? So the disaster kind of scenario, um, you know, again, she changes hard for her. So she likes everything yeah. in a nice little row and she's already planning her 2030 vacation and yeah. she's going to buy groceries <laughs> and all of those things. Look, I get it. I get a sister. <laughs> I get it. Um, but, um, you know, realizing, you know, I, I love that she sat down and she really thought through this. Okay, wait, 
what's really going to happen with this, right? I'm going to put on my tennis shoes after school. I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of really cool kids. We're going to run around a lot and then they're going to high five me and they're going to think I'm great. And this is going to be awesome, right? Mm -hmm. As a summarization. Um, And that's where, you know, I know when we talk about cognitive distortions, you know, you, you, it's the story we tell ourselves and sometimes you really have to sit down and, and question that story. Sometimes you have mm-hmm. to question the validity of that story, right? You know, everybody hates me. Okay, well, let's sit down and think through this really, right. really, right? Did your did your husband tell you he loved you last night? Does your kid tell you he loves you? Does your, you know, so does everybody really hate you, right? So when you, again, I was just using that as an example, but that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another kind of example of the cognitive distortion and your sister working through that sort of catastrophizing, I think, is what hers, hers, what I would say hers probably was. Right. Well, because first of all, that's really draining, right? Like spending that kind of emotional energy, just the same as having people who suck in your life. It is just emotionally draining and you only have so much energy each day. So if you're going to blow a huge chunk of your energy worrying about shit that doesn't exist, you're going to pay the consequences for that. And that's not to say that you have to learn how to change that thinking. At least for me, I know there's a lot of situations that I'm never going to be able to change my thinking. So I just need to stay the fuck away from it. And it often involves overcommitting, right? So I'm never going to feel like I'm overcommitted and be able to like meditate myself into a good place. I will spin. So I just have to be ultra aware that I don't get anywhere near where I'm going, where I am going to feel that I'm overcommitted. Right. Um, right. No, and there could be a lot of things like that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did pick up on, you know, and then you told your story about the car in your neighborhood. I got the and, car moved. I got the car I, moved. I know you got the car moved because you told me. So I, 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 got that I shit also home. know that you were spinning out of control about the car because I also heard about it. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, <laughs> I love Jim's response because that is what I feel sometimes too. Or you could just not care. I mean, but that's Jim's response to everything. <laughs> right, but, it's, but you know what? And, and yes, we could go, okay, yeah, but it, it just doesn't bother you like it bothers me. But it's actually a really good point, right? So it, it is something to consider in certain situations, right? Like, am I spinning out of control for no good reason and wasting all my energy on something that really does not matter? Sure. Could I just not care? Like, could I actually just not care? Right. And I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a legit question whether, you know, I know it's sort of flippant from him, but, um, you know, there are people who really do live their lives that way. And you can look at these people who seem like never really to be bothered by anything. And it's probably because they, they just aren't spending, spend, spending up and spending their energy on things that don't really truly have an impact on their lives in some like truly negative way. Right. Um, you know, the way that my, and you know, the way that I spin up about my neighbor who likes to beat women and you know, I, it, he just, it's like the car and it was like the car in your neighborhood. If I could have him removed, I would. Right. Um, and everybody around me is like, you gotta stop spending so much energy getting so spun up about that guy every time he hots a loogie on his front porch but clearly clearly it bothers me because I continue to talk about it so again could I just not care yes and it's probably something I I should work on well Uh, but I think I think the most important thing to that is that you're asking yourself that question right you're stop you're you have the ability to stop and say is this something I need to really care about 
right? Or should I just ignore it? And if you have the ability to stop and say that, and the answer is still like, no, I want that goddamn car moved. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really want this guy to die. Um, but, you know, and, and so, and so I really love that, you know, so a couple of the other sort of things I picked up on, you know, again, connecting with that, that we've talked about with clients before too, is talking about stress, right? And that, you know, perceived stress to your body is real stress. So whether it is a true stressor or something you are making up in your head, right? Like if it's really a, a mountain lion chasing you as a real acute stressor, or is it the, I think the end of the world is coming because they asked me to coach, you know, uh, you know, cross country running or whatever. It's still, your body doesn't actually give a fuck. It's still stress. Right. right? So, um, I love that she's implementing um, yoga and meditation um, so that she can start to learn to settle her mind and know it's not easy. And I love that she gave the review that was like, it's not oh, you, I, it's me. I was <laughs> going to ask you. it early. <laughs> I got the biggest laugh out of that. Oh, I thought that was great. But it, I thought it was, you know, it's funny, but it's also really important that, you know, because it, it is hard. And you guys, you guys both, you know, articulated and explained very well, like this, and even, you know, she did. Um, it takes practice, right? There is nothing we do in our lives that we get good at that we don't have to do over and over and over and over again to get good at. You have to fail at it a couple times to get good at it. it look, I suck, suck at meditation. I still suck at meditation and I do it anyway, right? Because I am not going to get better at it if I don't do it. There, that's a guarantee, right? It is guaranteed if I don't attempt it and, and fail and try and keep trying, right. I, I am guaranteed to never, never get good at it. But if I keep trying, you know, then I, even if I only get a little bit out of it, right? Like even if I'm just, it's just enough to let me take a moment, settle my mind to help me really, you know, which is what she's using it for. And I think that's, that's fantastic. And she's using it, you know, for all the right reasons. And, um, so again, you know, to, to start to learn how to stop to control those thoughts, um, or to at least not be judgmental, of, you know, in judgment mm -hmm. of all of your thoughts. Right. So mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of anyway, so another, another really great thing I think that came out of that episode. Um, and then, you know, real quick, I think the last thing at the end that I thought was like super important is talking about taking this new lifestyle on vacation, right? Right. Because it is still a fairly new lifestyle, right? We're not talking about she's been doing this for a year yet, you know, so it's, it could be real easy to go to Hawaii and, and go into fuck it mode and go, in, you know, revert to all your old habits. So why don't you talk a little bit about the vacation plan? Yeah. So I will start by saying when her, when I agreed to coach her, the initial thing was I need at least six months, ideally a year from you of no craziness, right? No impromptu vacations or adopting children or selling your house or taking on the right, right. Just no, I just need you to focus on it. So when she very coyly kind of told me that Oh, well, this was a deal. That's how sorry, this was a deal we couldn't refuse. It's basically free vacation. Phil booked it. It wasn't my fault. I'm like, girl, I see through all that. But I'm like, really, my response is like, oh, shit. Right? Like, this is not going to be good because you need the skills in 
place and you do not have the skills in place after 13 weeks. Right. So it can be very, very, very problematic. So she is going on this vacation with the intent that it's a very active vacation. Yeah, I caught that. I, I mean, that mm-hmm. was something I highlighted. You know, she said, we're going to be paddle boarding and kayaking and this and that and the other thing. And she mm-hmm. goes, so we won't really have time to just be sitting around and eating and drinking. And, you know, if you, if you drink before paddleboarding, you might not be paddleboarding for very long. That's probably the only <laughs> way you would get me to paddleboard. To tell you the truth. Drinking on a paddleboard is my preferred. Right. Um, yeah, right. uh, yeah. Camelback with a little something. <laughs> um, so yeah. So for the listeners going on vacation, 14 weeks into your programming is not ideal. Six months, a year is better. This was not the plan or the agreement, but it's again, just like life. It's what I'm faced with as a coach to yeah. try to get her through. And it's what she's faced with as an athlete to be accountable and not throw her hands up and to be very aware again and call herself on her bullshit if it's being used as another excuse. Yeah. So our next check-in, we'll see how. I can't how wait to hear how how yeah. it went. I saw. Um, I mean, you know, uh, in all fairness, we record this like sort of after the fact, so I did see pictures of her on vacation, and I was like, oh, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I wonder where she is, but we haven't gotten to that check-in yet. So, no. um, yeah. So I think those are the. Um, the main things that I got out of this episode that from my notes, um, you know, I think the, the, the theme of this episode, or maybe the title of this one is mental pushups. I caught that term and Mm. I was like, that is fantastic. I love it. Um, she said, you know, I'm doing more mental push. I mean, and you, there was a lot more physical activity you added in. She did, you know, mm-hmm. oh, she did mention going gangbusters on the, on the training and then not being able to move for a week. Look, I needed, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story because I had to, again, apparently I relate to Tiffany a lot. Um, so I forgot to tell you about this. So two weeks ago, I, I came upon this program that I decided I was going to do. It was called the 10,000 Kettlebell program, 10,000 kettlebell swing program. And the premise is you do 500 kettlebell swings a day, four days a week for four or five weeks, but there's also like some strength training and stuff in there. So I do lots of kettlebell swings. I don't do 500 a day. Well, I was going to say 500 is a lot. <laughs> so, so it is. So, so it definitely is. Um, so I attempted it one day. I'm going to say I'm going on two weeks ago and, um, it's a lot, but yep. I mean, it was broken up and, you know, I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. And I wrote it all up. I have a, I have this whole board um, in my garage gym and I was going to do the whole program for five weeks. I haven't done like five little programming forever. It's like this one I can do. <laughs> well, I was so sore. My lower back, my, my glutes, my hamstrings, mostly my lower back. I really, I, and, and I have really good form with my kettlebell swings, but I, I legit fucked something up and, um, I couldn't move for a solid week and my lower back is still not right. So I'm still not really back to training. So the thought that I was going to do 10,000 kettlebell swings in five weeks is now going on a year, <laughs> right? Like I'm, maybe I'll get 10,000 in a year, <laughs> but, but like maybe. Even as somebody who has 25 plus years experience of training background, we still sometimes do dumb shit. <laughs> like the burpee hour last year. Oh, that burp, that killed me for weeks. I mean, I was, I everybody was, weeks. was crippled. I was crippled for a solid week. 
I was, I, my, my shoulder. Yeah. I, again, so that was about a year or so ago. So again, I do dumb shit. Once, so again, doing an hour of burpees is also stupid. Yes. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I thought, you know, it was, she's like, yeah, if you guys could have recorded that other podcast before I did, right. that would have been great. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was really good. And, um, you know, so not to, not to minimize the actual physical aspect of things, but again, right. she is, she is consistently building up her, right. her, um, her, her training and not, um, you know, but again, making mistakes along the way, right. Like overeating now and then not, you know, but she is sticking with it. And I think the most important thing I want people to get out of this series is that this is a real human with like real legit life challenges, right? COVID vacations, busy family, big family. She works with kids with, you know, um, uh, mental struggles, um, you know, with lots of weight to lose, right? This isn't like, you know, sorry, the mailman's here. <laughs> Anyway, um, that, that there's nothing she's done that's been perfect, right? Like right. She, this is not about her being hundred percent on her macros every fucking day through the last, how many weeks are we in? 17 weeks, 13 weeks, weeks, 13 weeks. Um, that's not what this is. That's not how this works. If you really want to make a lifestyle out of this, Tiffany is doing things all the right ways, including all the ways she's fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the process. Absolutely. So we will check in with her again. It'll be our third life. I'm sorry, our fourth life check in um, at week 18. And we'll see what happened with the vacation. We'll see if she got that yoga instructor fired or the meditation instructor fired. We'll see if that lady still has a job. All sorts of stuff. If the car is back at my house. Yeah, well, I can't all, wait. All the I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the next check-in um, and definitely hear about vacation and, and how that went. So anyway, um, until next time, don't get weird. Use your head. It'll all be okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.